Hello there and welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. Today is December 26th, 2023. That happens to be my 65th birthday. And me is John Tefteller, because I didn't say that earlier. And I turned 65 today. We figured that since it's my birthday, we would do something special, and we did, and I'll tell you about that at the end of the show, um, because there's something else that you need to go and uh, watch instead of just listen to. But for now, this is the Good Old Days of Radio Show podcast version, audio version, and so I decided to do a program that features Groucho Marx towards the end. Now, you have to wade through a bunch of other stuff before you get to Groucho, so that's up to you. It's an episode of Command Performance that's hosted by Spencer Tracy and also features Victor Borgie. If you're into Victor Borgie, he does a routine on this. I know a lot of older folks when I was young liked Victor Borgie a lot. I never really got into him, but hey, if you like him, he's on here as well as the Kingsmen with uh, Ken Darby singing. Ken Darby was the leader of the Kingsmen. They appeared on Fibber McGee and Molly. And Ken Darby's uh, daughter, Kim, Kim Darby, is uh, the sidekick to John Wayne in the movie True Grit. Also heard will be uh, Clarence Nash doing the voice of Donald Duck, Goofy, and Pluto. And Hans Conried doing a, a, a little voiceover thing. Command performance, as I've explained before, but for you who have not yet heard this explanation, because it might be fresh to you, command performance was never heard in the United States of America. It was a special program created for overseas personnel, soldiers, sailors, anybody in the Army or Armed Forces of any kind, and the stars and the writers and the directors and the producers, they all worked for free. They gave top-notch performances, uh, good writing, good everything, uh, but they all worked for free as a contribution to the war effort. Now, Groucho Marx had finished up with the last of the MGM films, The Big Store, in 1941, and went on to tour the country in the United States as part of the Hollywood Victory Caravan, which was a whole bunch of stars, Laurel and Hardy, Jimmy Cagney, um, on and on and on, Cary Grant. They toured the entire United States raising money for the war effort. One of the skits that Groucho would do on these caravans across the United States was a, a little thing called the Thorndikes. Now, it had originated on The Circle, which was a program from 1939 over NBC that um, Groucho and Chico appeared on, along with a bunch of other stars. But a writer, and I'm not sure who it was at this point, I, I used to know this, but there's a writer that created this skit for Groucho to perform with, with various female stars. And he did it with uh, Madeline Carroll on The Circle and then other stars throughout the early 40s. And by the time we got to Blue Ribbon Town in 1943, that was his show in 1943, he'd pretty much abandoned the skit. But while they were doing it, it was, it was an amusing thing, and they varied it slightly for each different uh, version of it. And that's what they're going to do on this show today. So if you just want to hear Groucho and Barbara Stanwyck, you got to fast forward somehow on your podcast to, <laughs> to the last 10 minutes or so of this show. If you're content with listening to Spencer Tracy and Kim, Ken Darby and Victor Borgie and all that, then sit back and listen to that. But that's, that's what we have for you on the good old days of radio show today. 
and then a special announcement at the end of something else you can do today. Okay, that's it. Here we go with Command Performance. This is show number 20 from June 30th, 1942. USA, the greatest entertainers in America, as requested by you, the fighting men of the United States Armed Forces throughout the world. Command Performance, presented this week and every week, till it's over, over there. All aboard the Command Performance Streamliner, leaving Hollywood for all AEF stations on the fighting fronts. And at the throttle tonight, the four-star man of the Four Bell Pictures, Academy Award winner, and holder of the affection of all Americans, your master of ceremonies, Spencer Tracy. Thank you, Paul Douglas, and hello, fellows. And a special hello to five Marine Corps lieutenants at Midway Island. On May 26th, one of you fighting Americans wrote in from APO863 and said, We are a battalion of doughboys somewhere in the Atlantic. And if you folks at home will furnish the dough, we'll furnish the boys. And together we'll furnish a new home for the world to live in. Well, count us in on that deal, mister. And keep counting on us. Till those three challengers take the count of ten over there. Now let's dig into those letters and start your big show. For Sergeant A.B. and his buddies at APO 957. For those five Navy chips on the USS Whitney. And for scores of you in places we can't mention. Command performance gets rolling with Liza and lovely Mary Lee. Clouds roll away. Liza, Liza, don't delay. Come keep me company, and the clouds roll away. See, the honeymoon is shining down. We make a date with Parson Brown. So, Liza, Liza, name the day when you belong to me, and the clouds roll away. Thank you, Mary Lee. And thanks to Lou Forbes of Selznick Studios conducting local 47's Command Performance Orchestra tonight. 
And now, fellows, here's a letter from somewhere on the high seas. Dear Command Performance, we are still fighting for Denmark beside the sons of all the Allied nations. So we like to feel that we can ask Command Performance for our favorite entertainer, too. However, we do not write or speak very good English, but the man we ask for is our countryman, Victor Borge, signed K.A.R. Thanks for the letter, K.A.R. And don't worry about the English language. You should hear what Victor Borge does to it with his phonetic punctuation. Here he is, fellows, Victor Borger. When I came to this country about 19 months ago, I couldn't speak one word of English or any other language. And uh, <laughs> I tried to learn it as fast as possible by listening to people when they talked, and they talked very fast. So all I learned was... <laughs> so I uh, tried to do the same thing, and I spoke very fast myself. <laughs> and uh, it went very good. But nobody understood what I said. So later on, I learned a few words, and uh, now I think I understand quite a lot. But still, I think that people don't understand each other, and I tried to find the reason for that, and I think I found it. When you write a letter, you use punctuation, commas and periods and question marks and explanation points. So if you write a sentence like, was I an idiot? And you put a question mark after, then it's a question whether you was or not. <laughs> you have the same sentence with an, exclam an exclamation point after. There isn't any doubt. <laughs> but it still is the same sentence. So how do you know when you talk what you mean? When you don't see those signs of punctuation mark. And that's why I invented the phonetic punctuation. It means, and while talking, you use punctuation mark. And uh, I think this will improve the language. And I'll just give you a few examples how it would sound. Each little sign gets its own sound. So while you're talking, you use those sounds so you always understand what the sentences mean. Uh, if you have a period, you just do... <laughs> very simple. That's a period. Now comes a dash. A dash is... <laughs> now you have a period and a dash. Now comes an exclamation point. An exclamation point is a vertical dash with a period underneath. So now you can figure out what that is. <laughs> All right, I'll help you. <laughs> exclamation point. Now, a comma. Comma is very simple. Just... And quotation, quotation mark are two commas, just... <laughs> now, the most difficult of them all is a question mark. It takes almost two men to learn it. <laughs> I think we are enough here, anyway, to, to learn it. And here's a question mark. Now we have only a, a, a colon left. A colon is a funny little sign. It contains of two small dots. You put them over or under each other as you <laughs> prefer it. 
And if you don't want to do that, you can do it the other way. <laughs> and now I have a little book here written by Shakespeare. And uh, it contains a couple of short stories. And but I just find one. But so you can get an idea how it sounds. But when... Uh, <laughs> just find the right one here. Here. Here's one right in the middle of the book on page two. <laughs> it happened in the year 1296. In the open window there suddenly came light. <laughs> Beautiful Eleanor sat alone dreaming of but one thing. <laughs> <laughs> Two years had passed <laughs> since she met Sir Henry. She could still remember the unhappy evening <laughs> when her father had thrown him out. <laughs> they had been sitting in the park and Henry had said, <laughs> Darling, <laughs> is this the first time you have loved? And she had answered, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but it is so wonderful that I hope it will not be the last. <laughs> Suddenly she heard a well-known sound. She heard it again, again, and again. It was he. In two strides, he was near her. Embraced, kissed, and caressed her. <laughs> Henry! <laughs> what is love? <laughs> she asked. He answered, Well, I cannot live without... She asked, where have all your thoughts been in this while? And he had answered, with thee, O maiden. I'm sorry, this is wrong. This should have been there, but... Suddenly he was gone. All she heard was the well-known sound of his retreating horse. Thank you, Victor Borger. Not long ago, an army chaplain came out of the North Atlantic to pay a little visit to Washington, D.C. He's back again with his detachment. But we know that he and his boys are listening tonight, for here's the number of the great musical organization we promised him. For the boys at APO numbers 858 and 859, the King's Men and Hey Mabel.
got the fellas up, 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 up in a tree. They all go for her in a great big way, but she won't tumble down. So here is what they say. Hey, Mabel. Hey, Mabel. Hey, Mabel, Mabel, hey! When she's walking down the street, all the boys yell mighty sweet. Hey, Mabel! Wait for me! Wait for me! When she wears a diamond ring, all the boys begin to sing. Hey, Mabel! Wait for me! Wait for me! She's as popular as any girl can be. She's a household name in every family. But the one she wants so bad ain't the guy who yells like mad. Hey, Mabel, Mabel, wait, wait for me. Oh, Mabel, why won't you linger a while? Oh, Mabel, wait for me. Oh, Mabel, please wait for me. Hey, hey, wait. She goes a-strolling along down the avenue. And all the fellas rush out just to get a view. Hey, Mabel! Why don't you wait for me? Me too, me too. There ain't a fella in the neighborhood who wouldn't walk a mile to get a nod of her head or to see her smile. Hey, Mabel! I wish you'd wait for me. For rocks around the fellas all have a notion they love her. She is a peach on every family tree. They want to shake it. But the man she wants under the mistletoe is just the guy who does nothing but whisper low. Oh, Mabel. And that's all, brother, but as long as there's a doubt about her, I'll keep a shout. Hey, Mabel, hey, wait for me. Thank you, Kingsmen. Somewhere in the canal zone, there's a staff sergeant, A.N.D., who wrote on June the 7th and said, I wish I could tell you just where we are so you could understand why command performance means so much to us. Brother, we're really tucked away from the bright lights. So it's a wonderful thrill to hear the voices of our famous stars each week and every week. But there are several voices we'd especially like to hear. One is the unusual voice of that distinguished cinema star... Donald Duck! (laughs) And here with Donald Duck, his sidekick, that great mental giant who greets you with... (laughs) Oh, everybody! Oh, Mr. Tracer! Hello, Goofy, and welcome to Command Performance. Now, Donald and Goofy, I was noticing that... uh... Oh, Pluto, we're sorry, we're sorry. We completely overlooked... (laughs) Now, Donald, I was about to tell the boys overseas that you and Goofy and Pluto have prepared a special message to Adolf Schickelgruber. Yeah, that's right, Mr. Scratcher, that's right. And if you like now, you, you may transmit that message. Go right ahead, boys. Tell Hitler what you think of him. (laughs) 
Thank you, Donald Duck and Goofy and Pluto, for filling the request of Sergeant A.N.D. in the Canal Zone. And thanks to Walt Disney for letting you boys out tonight. <laughs> now, while Donald is cooling off, let's answer a lot of command performance mail. And that particular letter written on June the 6th by W.J.B., J.J.D., and J.R.S. on the USS Argonne. It's Sleepy Lagoon by the sweetheart of the USS Argonne, Pat Friday. Pat Friday. And now, fellows, two very famous stars step forward to answer hundreds of your letters. Letters from the jungle mutters of Panama. From Sergeant G.P.G. and his gang in Cuba. From the three musketeers from Muskegon, now in North Ireland. From those 12 grease monkeys somewhere in Australia. And from all corners of the earth, by worldwide command of the AEF, Groucho Marx and Barbara Stanwyck.
Groucho Marx and Barbara Stanwyck. Tonight, they are John and Mary Thorndike. Yes, John and Mary Thorndike. What a pair. Boy, what a pair. John the virile and vivacious in the cloak of Groucho Marx. And Mary... Mary, his splendid spouse in the shoes of Barbara Stanwyck, size four double E. <laughs> a stranger gazing at their quiet stucco home by the waterfall could hardly have guessed the furies and passions beating within. And yet all day long a heated argument has been raging, and now as evening falls, we find John and Mary cooling off in their hammock on the porch. John. It's no use, matey. It's no use. We can't keep this up. You mean... Yes, I do. I'm through. I'm through rocking on this hammock. <laughs> back and forth. Back and forth. It gets monotonous. Well, how else could you rock? To and fro is a good way. <laughs> or hither and yon. Really, matey, uh, sometimes I wish you'd gone to school. John, you haven't given me your decision yet about the money for Olive. Olive? Who's Olive? John, Olive is that daughter of ours. Which daughter? We have only one daughter, John. Hmm, that simplifies it. <laughs> that must be the one, then. Please, John, I want to speak to you about her. Is it about money again? Yes, John. What'd you say? I said, yes, John. John? Who's John? <laughs> You're John, dear. That's right, so I am. I must remember that. <laughs> what were we talking about? About Olive. Olive? Who's Olive? <laughs> Our daughter, John. Oh, yes, that, that girl is driving me crazy. She thinks I'm made of money. She's too extravagant, matey. Not one cent. Not one red cent, matey. Oh, John, she's young. She's beautiful. You know, John, you're only young and beautiful once. Oh, matey, I, I'm not so young. <laughs> I don't think I can stand it much longer The way you two act We sit at dinner Olive staring at you You staring at Olive You don't speak Why? Don't you like Olive? I like pickles <laughs> I, I'll have to cultivate a taste for Olive Oh, John is terrible. The very atmosphere is charged. I meant to speak to you about that, Mary. Everything is charged around here. <laughs> it's got to stop. You don't know the value of money. But it's not for me, John. It's Olive. Olive? Who's Olive? <laughs> Please, she's our daughter. We have a lot of children, haven't we? <laughs> no, just one. And she must have nice things. Oh, John, dear, you must expect to spend money on a pretty girl. I, I always did. What? I, I mean, I love you, matey. And don't forget, I, I worked hard for my money. Until you married me. Remember, dear, I'm a Thorndike. I gave you my name in exchange for your money. <laughs> now I have your money and you have my name. And I have my name and your money. <laughs> oh, it's all so confused and complicated and confused. John, I just can't have my daughter staying behind while her friends enjoy the pleasure and niceties of life. She's a Thorndike, John. Who's a Thorndike? Olive, our daughter. Naturally. 
Well, what do you say, John? Yes or no? Yes, I say no. <laughs> but you can't refuse your own flesh and blood. Maybe I, I don't want to refuse her. It's uh, just that we've got to be careful now of money. Now of, now of all times. Have I told you how things are down at the office? No. Well, you... You mean... Worse than that. Oh, oh, I didn't know. Oh, then, John, maybe we shouldn't. No, maybe because I love you, I'll call the bank and see if they can do something. Oh, you're fair, John. And square. Give me that phone. Hello, operator. Give me the last national bank. <laughs> Hello, bank. Give me the receiving teller. Hello, receiving? How are you? How's my balance? What do you care who this is? I'm asking you a civil question. I expect a civil answer. <laughs> How's my balance? All right, I'll let you in on a secret. This is Thorndike. Now then, how do I stand? Hmm. I'm a bit surprised myself. Is it really that bad? It is? Well, I guess it is. Goodbye, receiving. What did he say, John? He didn't say. It was after three o'clock and the bank was closed. <laughs> well, John, I know you'll do the right thing as you see it. And perhaps it was wrong of me to ask you to spend the money. It was just that I... Oh, I felt so sorry for Olive. Olive? Who's Olive? <laughs> John, Olive is our daughter. How nice. Well, if you put it that way, matey, I can't resist. Tell, uh, tell whatever her name... What did you say her name was? Olive. Oh, well, uh, tell her she can have the money. Oh, John, you're wonderful. You're fine. Olive will be so proud and happy. Oh, John, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. Oh, stop your nagging. <laughs> At a time like this, always kissing. But you do mean it, John. You will give Olive the money. Yes, I'll give it to her, although it takes the last penny I've got. How much does she want? Oh, twelve dollars. Twelve dollars? Well, she wants to buy a pair of alligator shoes. She'll spoil the beast. <laughs> I never heard of an alligator wearing shoes. But I'll give you the money, matey. Yes, I'm doing a noble thing. Oh, noble, John. I'm a Thorndike. I'm doing a thing that will outlive marble and the gilded monuments of princes. Oh, beautiful. Am I really? Say it again, Mary. Keep on saying it. Perhaps you think it's better. Oh, bad that... nonsense. She shall have it. Why, nothing's too good for Olive. Olive? Who's Olive? Who? Olive. Who's she? I don't know, but I've seen you someplace before. Mister, we're packing up those command performances mailbags for tonight. But you know by now that this big show of yours will be on deck again next week. That's a promise. And here in the USA, a promise is something we keep. 
In the Axis world, they keep a promise just long enough to break it. This is Spencer Tracy, then, thanking you for this invitation to your own personal radio show. And speaking of shows, you're playing the leading role in the biggest show on Earth, and you're doing fine. And listen, men, if a certain little guy with a black mustache and a black heart thinks he can get a free pass to your show, tell him he's paying the full price. But give him a very special seat, the hot seat. Good night. Okay there, men, we're sounding taps on another command performance. The great stars you've heard tonight, Spencer Tracy, Mary Lee, Victor Borge, the King's Men, Pat Friday, Donald Duck and Goofy, Lou Forbes and the orchestra, Groucho Marx and Barbara Stanwyck, say thanks for those letters. Just keep those letters rolling in to command performance and care of the station to which you're listening, and you'll be listening to your favorite stars each week. This is Paul Douglas reminding you that the dictators are feeling pretty miserable these days, but they haven't got long to wait. Uncle Sam's coming over there to put them out of their misery. Okay, Groucho with Barbara Stanwyck, uh, John and Mary Thorndike. Olive? Who's Olive? That was the tagline and the big joke. And they, as I said in the beginning of this, they did this skit probably 20 or 30 times uh, on radio. And it was done <laughs> even more frequently than that when they were on stage uh, for the Hollywood Victory Caravan tour. It was quite successful at the time. And it's a little bit different, Groucho, than you normally get. It's still funny, but it's not quite the the normal Groucho, so I, I picked that one for, for those reasons today. Okay, special announcement. If you're into Groucho or the good old days of radio show or both um, and you want to see, and I emphasize the word see, an episode of this show, um, we have created for you a video. You will find the link to it in the podcast description. So when you... Um, Go to the Good Old Days of Radio Show podcast, and you look in the description, you will see a link there to go to YouTube, and it will take you to a special edition, a video edition of the Good Old Days of Radio Show, where you will see me, and you will see uh, a script, and we did a little bit of this before, um, last year, or earlier this year, we did a little bit of this, but we decided to do the entire episode of the very first you Bet Your Life show with Groucho for DeSoto Plymouth Dealers. And we have the original script, courtesy the collection of John Goodell, which is now in my collection. And we go through page by page so you can follow along with the script and you can see how uh, Groucho ad-libbed or where he ad-libbed or where he didn't and how they, how they would put the show together based on a script. Most people do not realize that You Bet Your Life was heavily scripted. It was. Sorry to break any uh, illusions there. Um, but even heavily scripted, Groucho still did his ad-libs and all that when he wanted to or could. So, as a special treat for my birthday, my 65th birthday, and a special treat to the audience of the Good Old Days of Radio Show... Go to, go to the uh, video version of this on YouTube, click on that link, and watch 
me as I introduce the the script and how what we're doing, and then you can follow along with the script, and you can actually see a little bit of the studio where we do the good old days of radio show, and um, have fun watching something instead of just listening for a change. So anyway, that's it. Happy birthday to me, and we are done with the good old days of radio show for today. Back on Thursday with uh, our normal, um, I think we're in, still in Noir, I'm not sure, <laughs> wherever we are. And then um, Tuesday we'll have more comedy or drama or something like that for next week. Okay, this is John Tefteller in the good old days of radio show saying thanks for listening and go to YouTube. Bye. Bye.